back to the third installment of Loss of Down. I am your host, Stephen Weed. Of course, always joining me, my man from Pittsburgh, Mr. Wally Lukashensky. How are we doing this evening? Stephen, I think you and I both already know the answer to that question. Packers are 2-0. The Raiders are 2-0. It's a beautiful day to be talking NFL football. Stephen, let's get the 3-0 each. How about that? Yeah, one game at a time, bud. One game at a time. We already have... Do we have a side bet about uh, which team's going to go three and zero? Yeah, we'll, we'll get we'll get to that. I'm sure, we'll get to that. But we have some other teams that we have to talk about here. But most importantly, the first thing, an injury filled week two that is just ripping everyone's heart out. I know a lot of people, especially in my family here in Columbus, a lot of you guys are hurting because Nick Bosa is one of those. Injuries that happen on top of you have Saquon Barkley, you have Drew Locke out with a shoulder injury. I mean, you have Corlin Sun that had the ACL. Bruce Irvin, linebacker for the Seahawks, had an ACL. Um, what Solomon Thomas as well with the 49ers had an ACL injury. There's a plethora of injuries in that, let alone the whole NFL. There's 21 injuries that happen, and there's even a couple injuries that happened tonight in the Thursday night game, uh, Jacksonville mm-hmm. and Miami. So it's heartbreaking. But, I mean, I felt like we were expecting this because of lack of offseason workouts. As well as no preseason games. So, Wally, what were your thoughts about how this week kind of panned out here? You know, this is such a tough one because, first of all, a ton of devastating injuries. But it makes me wonder how much of this is the preseason stuff and how much of this is we're paying more attention to this kind of week of injuries because of the names involved. It was a star-studded list of injuries this year, unfortunately. Or this year, I say that. I mean, just this past weekend. You have arguably the best two running backs in all of football out. You have arguably the best pass rusher out. You have quarterbacks going left and right. Tonight, like you alluded to, Leon Jacobs, he had what looked like a very, very devastating injury as well. I don't know. I'm not a... I'm by no means a doctor, Steven, so I have no idea if the preseason's screwing up with the knees or not, but let's just hope that once we do get back to this weekend, we're not seeing things to that effect, and we're, we're coming back next Thursday, and we're talking for a story as being a football game opposed to these devastating injuries. Yeah, absolutely. We'll dive right into this week's game because nothing was more devastating than the Falcons absolutely blowing it again against the Cowboys. At one point, they were up 20 to nothing in the first quarter, 29 to 10 at halftime. And hell, they were up 16 points in the final five minutes. I mean, this is this is so embarrassing. How no one has gotten fired because of this is beyond me, especially Dan Quinn, who was on the hot seat coming in, and he felt like this was going to be the straw that breaks the camel's back. But Wally, it just always brings up the question, do the Falcons collapse or are the Cowboys maybe just that good and they're that resilient? Well, first of all, this was one of those games on Sunday it felt like you were watching on the Red Zone channel from about 10 minutes on purely for fantasy purposes. You wrote it off, or at least I wrote it off, where I'm like, all right, the Cowboys are dead. I'm kind of just interested to see, you know, if Dak Prescott can look comfortable. The Falcons' offense was humming. I know you were really high on this team going into the year. I don't even blame you the way this offense is moving the ball right now. It's just a shame they can't get that defensive help. But, yeah, this felt like the straw that should have broke the camel's back with Dan Quinn. You heard my thoughts a few weeks ago. He needs to be gone. I think that the worst thing for this team is to stay stagnant with their coaching. And, man, it certainly feels like they're developing a very, like, unfortunate culture down there of blowing leads. I'm not going to take anything away from the Cowboys. You don't accidentally score 40 points in a game. Credit to that offense. That said... I mean, this was an onside kick where 
people just huddled the ball and didn't go for it. How often do we see at even the college or high school level, guys let the ball actually travel 10 yards before going for it? If you think you have a, you're an NFL player, if you have a reasonable shot at that ball, you get on that ball. Because it is up to you and it is expected of you to be able to recover that ball and to actually protect it. I was, I don't know how you felt uh, about it. My jaw is still on the floor every time I watch the replay. It's nothing the Cowboys did on that onside kick special besides lull them into sleep. They literally just sat there and watched the ball travel 10 yards. And then what did they do? Oh, shit. We might as well just watch the Cowboys recover it now. No problem. It felt so Atlanta Falcons. I... I gutted, as my as my friends would know I'm talking about there. I feel miserable for Falcons fans. That's bad. Yeah, but don't don't sell the onside kick short. That was a gorgeous onside kick. That was so miraculous. Greg the leg. Come with the onside kick, and then he's coming with the game-winning field goal. I mean, you do not have to talk to me about botched onside kicks, and I think we both know that, as well as some of these listeners out here. So we'll move right on because Russell Wilson is still – Still cooking. They are still letting that man cook. Coming off a nice win against New England. 21 of 28 for 288. That doesn't really stick out to you, but the five touchdowns with one interception is what's going to stick out to you. This man has 610 yards with nine touchdowns, one interception, and completing nearly 83% of his passes. He has 11 incompletions on the year and has nine touchdowns with it. Russell Wilson is playing out of his mind. But don't sleep on Cam Newton either. Cam Newton's 444 total yards. Nothing special in the air. 30 for 44. Touchdown and interception. But where he's where he's hurting people is, is on the ground, which is what we're used to. He's got 26 touches, 122 yards, and four touchdowns between these two games. So what are some of your takeaways from this Seahawks game? How's Russ looking? How are the new-look Patriots looking for you, Wally? Well, yeah, you, you ask about the Patriots. I'll f- for sure start with them here. You, you mentioned that Cam is looking like Cam Newton again on the ground. And that's super exciting if I'm a Patriots fan because this is something Bill Belichick's never had it. He has a shiny new toy, and go figure, it's Bill Belichick. He knows how to play with it. So credit to him there. But the thing that I guess stood out to me most about Cam Newton and this offense right now, he's both top 10 in or passing yards and yards per attempt right now. So credit to you, like or New England, for basically seemingly going back. And it, it kind of feels eerily similar to the – Cam Newton that we saw in the 15-1 Carolina Panthers team. And the last thing we need is another Patriots team that we all have to worry about come January. I think I speak for everybody when I say I thought we were done. I thought we were through this. I thought the sun had finally set on that magical dynasty. And it may have. I'm not going to jump the gun. We've seen two games. This next week, they're playing the Raiders. We'll get to that in a little bit. But it's going to be something that we're going to keep an eye on. But man, Steven, I'm fired up about them, but as you alluded to before, real quick, Russell Wilson's, this feels like an MVP year for for him. They're without a doubt the NFC West favorite now, especially with the San Francisco 49er injuries now. Yeah, this could be the year, but don't, you can't sleep on the Cardinals too, too soon, but let's have this conversation in week eight, and I think I'll feel a little bit more confident about the Seahawks more than I do now, but yeah, I see, especially with the injuries to San Francisco, I see Seattle, um, this is their division, but 
I mean, it, that's a tough division to walk through. You have the Cardinals as well as the Rams. So we'll get to them eventually here. We're going to go a little bit down in the dirty south where Tom and his Tampa Bay Buccaneers finally got the first win is a non-Patriot quarterback in, what, the past 20 years? Probably the past 19 years. So this is pretty miraculous. Tom Brady, he is not putting up crazy numbers. 22 of 35, 217 yards, a tutty and a pick. He's only got 456 and three of each through his first two games. But the thing that's sticking out to me is the 65% completion percentage. That is not Tom Brady. But Leonard Fournette finally coming alive here. 12 touches for 103 yards as well as a touchdown. So it looks like he's getting a little bit more comfortable during that playbook. How did you think Tom Brady and the boys looked? I know that you're hating on him all year, but maybe this will give you a little bit of a, a reason to sway over. <laughs> Here's the deal. Yes, I've been critical of them going into the year. And I think justifiably so. But for the record, I still have them as a playoff team. I think they are a playoff team. Tom looks like he improved a lot this week. I was pretty comfortable. I know that completion percentage isn't what we're used to. But we also, double it sort of, we're going to talk about it for Cam. Tom Brady's now not in that same system. He's down Bruce Arians. So we're going to let it sling, go downfield a little bit more. Patriots are more of that underneath. Let's cross. Crossing routes, we're going to find those tight ends. Backs, Julian Edelman, 10 yards downfield. This is a little bit different. He has a lot more vertical threats that we've seen probably since that year. They went 18-1 and with having Randy Moss and Aaron Hernandez and Rob Gronkowski. So I'm going to be patient with them. Tom looks, for me, he looks good. It, it's going to take time. They didn't play an ideal team. I, I think we're going to get more of a measuring test as they're, like you alluded to before, the eight weeks. Let's see him play eight weeks. I'll start feeling more comfortable then. But, I mean, at the end of the day, I think they're going to be there, what, in Week 17, possibly playing for a division, especially the way Drew Brees is playing. Well, with them not having Michael Thomas for the next few weeks, that's going to be huge. And it seems like Michael Thomas is going to come in right before the rematch of the Bucks and Saints. So that could potentially determine the division title, I should say. So we'll see. Tom Brady's not looking how he's usually looking, but... He's slinging the ball a little bit. He's got that little Brett Favre-ish just kind of throwing it because he knows that whoever he's throwing it to will be able to catch it between Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Gronk. We'll see. I mean, I'm interested to see how, the, how they're going to pan out. So real quick, Steven, is Carolina dead to us already? Are we just – they're basically not talk or able to be talked about now with CMC's injury, right? Yeah, well, this is going to be the true test if Teddy Bridgewater's contract is going to hold up. Now, they don't really have anyone around them too much. They got Robbie Anderson. They got Curtis Samuel. They have a couple guys, but no big guy on offense outside of CMC. And him being out for the next four to six weeks potentially is going to hurt them. So I'm interested to see how Mike Davis is going to come in, filling in that role as the new starter. So I'm interested. But, yeah, like I said, this is going to see if Teddy Bridgewater is actually worth that money. And we'll see if he's that quarterback that everyone is so highly on. Or we're going to flip it over to your boys, Kansas City Chiefs. Oh, you can't say your boys and do that. I thought we were talking Raiders already. No, no, no. You have the rundown right in front of you. You know damn well we're not talking about the Raiders yet, kid. <laughs> but the Kansas City Chiefs almost absolutely choked against the, Can- or against the Los Angeles Chargers. I'm just happy I didn't say San Diego. So a little background story. Tyrod Taylor's fit to start this game. Goes to get a painkilling ejection. Doctor ends up puncturing this man's lung, and he can't play. Justin Herbert finds out about 5, 10 minutes before that he's starting quarterback. Justin Herbert, 22 of 33 with 311. A touchdown and an interception, but also one rushing touchdown. Pat Mahomes just grinding it out as always, 27 of 47, 302 with a couple tutties, and obviously eventually getting that win. 
there's no surprise there. I'm sure you're not surprised, but we can we can talk for days about the Chiefs. Yada yada yada. We get it. They're really good. You love hearing me just kind of breeze through this, but thoughts thoughts on Justin Herbert though. That's my main thought. What are your thoughts on Justin Herbert and him getting that first start literally five minutes before kickoff? Okay, multiple things on this. I don't know. I mean, this feels like a Washington football team. This feels like a Cleveland Browns. This feels like someone who's, you know, a typical punching bag of the NFL of a thing to happen to Tyron Taylor. This is remarkable. This is something you never hear about, especially at the NFL level. Surreal. That being said... I think this might have been the biggest blessing in disguise ever for Justin Herbert. You don't have time to think about it. You don't have time to get in your own head. You prepared all week. That I mean, that's your job in the NFL. You prepare as a starter, whether you're starting or not. He was prepared for this game, and he kind of eliminates that nerves. You don't have time to get nervous about it. He looks awesome, and depending on if Drew Locke's st- what I think he is, there's a chance you're looking at four like, quality quarterbacks in the AFC West right now. And it's something to be a little worried about. Speaking of quality quarterbacks in the AFC West, though, you said 302 yards for Patrick Mahomes. He looked not good on Sunday. That's what a not good Patrick Mahomes is doing, where it felt like they had to kick and scream the entire game to crawl back in and scrape by with the 23-20 law or win. I mean, dude, this is just, it feels gut-wrenching as a fan because you're like, dude, if they, if they can't lose when they look that bad on both sides of the ball, both sides struggled all day. And what, what do they do? They go to overtime. The Chargers, with one of the most conservative calls ever to decide to punt the ball to Patrick Mahomes, and then what happens? You drive down the field, Harrison Bucker, talk about ice in the veins, a 53-yarder. Oh, sorry, false start. A 58-yarder. Oh, sorry, we iced the kicker. Oh, that no problem. That ain't no problem. I'm going to hit it from 70, basically. Dead center on 58. There was never a doubt. He basically did the, the walk away. He started doing the swaggy P, shoot up. Except the difference was is the ball went in. It was disgusting. And it, it really bummed me out, Steven. It, 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 is there any, I guess, takeaway for this? Do you feel like the Chiefs are human? Or if anything, does this actually prove how scary they are that you get them on an off day? They're still taking down... What is a quality Chargers team, regardless of that record? Yeah, that's how scary they are. Pat Mahomes completed 57% of his passes, and they still came out with the win. I mean, it's it's ridiculous. You know, outside of Tom Brady, Pat Mahomes is already this young, and he's already got that look of, oh, you're not down 40, and the clocks aren't triple zeros yet. They're going to be able to come back. He just has that stigma around him, so it's scary. I feel I feel worse for you because that's in your division. Uh. I'm just going to have to deal with it for the next, you know, 15 and 20 years on the outside. So that sucks for you, bud. But nothing sucks worse than the Broncos. My goodness. Drew Locke out two to four weeks with the shoulder. Cortland Sutton starting uh, starting wide receiver, arguably their number one, out for the year with, with, a, uh, with an ACL injury. And then you already had Vaughn Miller who's not playing this year because of an ankle injury. I mean, it's just a domino effect. And quite frankly, I don't think uh, Vic Fangio, the head coach there, cannot catch a break because he is literally just p- plugging and playing people, and he's keeping them within a possession of every single game. So there's not too much you can ask for. Same thing went on with the Steelers game. 26-21, the Steelers squeaked it out. Big Ben, 29-41 with 311. 
two touchdowns and a pick. And James Conner had 16 touches for 106 as well as a touchdown. But, I mean, Denver just, like I said, they keep staying close. And, you know, despite injuries, despite just not having as much talent as their opponents. So I feel horrible. So do you, A, are you, are you feeling any what confident about this Steelers team? And B, is Vic Fangio on the hot seat for you? See, in a weird way, I feel like Vic Fangio might be getting kind of bailed out with this injury to Drew Locke. He's already playing in arguably the toughest division in football. I know that's up for debate, but there's four legitimate teams here that can beat almost anybody on any given Sunday. So I'm going to give Fangio a pass. I know that people out there aren't exactly thrilled with them, but I think that you can tell that they have a decent quality product, and it's improving. I mean, Noah Fant looks awesome, even with, uh, what, Jeff O'Driscoll being there. But to the Steelers, you guys know I'm not exactly very high on this team. I think their defense is phenomenal, arguably the best in the entire NFL. But that offense feels old. The offensive line's banged up. Big Ben is old. He's recovering. Yeah, you know what? There's zip on the ball sometimes, but he's not moving in a pocket. Tell me if you heard that before. Sounds exactly like last week. Because guess what? We haven't learned anything about this team. They beat a bad Giants team. They beat a depleted Broncos team. This week, they're going to have a real fun test in Houston. Houston's coming off two of the... I mean, literally the hardest schedule start in like 40 plus years so I think we're going to figure out a lot about this Steelers team this weekend we'll get into that pick later on but Steelers I think have the playoffs in their future Broncos I think unfortunately with the lock injury I think their season is going to be kind of just meaningless from here on out it's more about finding out the pieces going forward who you're going to surround that young quarterback with with those great wide receivers and tight end core so I guess, Stephen, are you going to kind of say, kind of like what we did with the Panthers, that the Broncos are finished this year, or do you think that they might be able to withstand the Drew Locke injury and get back in a wild card hunt? I don't think they'll be able to get back in that wild card hunt. Like you said, that's going to be a pretty tight division if the Raiders keep it up, which you know we'll get to in here in a little bit. And I don't know, maybe there's a new look Chargers with Justin Herbert here. Maybe their defense gets a little uh, revitalized and offense as well. So I'm interested to see how it's going to go, but. Yeah, I don't. The Broncos, I think they they have another year. We'll see. At best, seven and nine at this point with Drew Locke being out. So I'm not too too confident. But a quarterback, I am confident in that you are not quite yet. So this is like pretty much the only debate that will that we have with each other. Josh Allen absolutely going off. He's leading the league with 727 passing yards, six touchdowns, slightly under 71 percent completion percentage. Just beat the Miami Dolphins, who just came out with a nice win by double digits. How much should we be looking into this Bills team? They're 2-0. They they beat up on the Jets in Miami, which we are expecting. But they beat them up in nice fashion. They only beat Miami by a field goal last week. I don't know how much that score really depicts what the game was actually like. But still, Josh Allen is leading the league in passing yards. I never thought I'd say that before. No, never. See, here's the thing. Yeah, Josh Allen has subbed it up my hoop back-to-back weeks here to start the year. They have not played a very difficult schedule, and I think that's important to keep your eye on. They have not. They've played who? The Dolphins. And they struggled with the Dolphins. Yeah, they won, and it's the NFL. You win, it's a good Sunday. Who cares? Week before, they played the Jets, who right now, I think you can make a case. We were hard on the Jaguars to start the year. The Jets are the worst team in football right now. 
I don't think it's close. Hands down. Yeah, especially now. I mean, yeah, the Bills have done everything that we can ask from them. Concerning the fact there's no, there's nothing you do. You play who's on your schedule. End of story. I'm ready to say Josh Allen is better than I thought, but I'm going to kind of press pause. I'm not going to get too excited yet. I want to make sure this is another one of those situations. Let's revisit here in about a month. Once they played a few teams, we'll figure out how for real the Bills are. I mean, they're going to be for real enough to be involved. They're going to have that ugly graphic on Sunday in the middle of December in the hunt. And we're going to see that Buffalo Bill down there. If not on the left side in the division lead or wild card, they're going to be involved all the way. Yeah, so we we have, I guess, disagreed a lot on Josh Allen. And so far, you look pretty good, Steven. I'm not going to lie to you. I'll take that. It's far and few in between the... Um, you know, the players that I pick out to be successful. So I'll take that. But to kind of fling it, fling it back to you, I had this question ready to go before tonight. But, you know, Dolphins Dolphins squeaked by 31-13, not squeaked by, just absolutely demolished the Jaguars. How much longer till Tua? This is one of those games where you kind of, as a Dolphins fan, you kind of, like, you smile because you won. But it's kind of like a grimace of a smile where you're like, oh, well, you know what? That kind of sucks. I think we're kind of boxed into Fitz Magic for at least two or three more weeks. That's just, you know, how NFL is. I mean, here's the thing with Brian Flores. If two is not playing, he can't get a reasonable report card. So if I'm him, guess what? I'm very content with Fitzpatrick playing another three or four weeks where you can go back at the end of the year and say, hey, you know what? I know we finished 5-11, and 6-10. and 10. We wanted to give Tua a little more time to get ready, a little more time to improve, and it just didn't work out this year, but don't give up on me. It's kind of a, a coaching cheat code, so good for Flores, but I think to answer your question, we're, we're probably three weeks, maybe a full month out, Steven. Do you do you agree? Yeah, that's what I'm kind of thinking, kind of depending on how the Dolphins look and how, you know, how competitive that their mindset is. I don't know how competitive as a team that they actually will be, but that's different than what is inside – the culture there and how the, how they want to continue trying to build their team for the year. So, yeah, I'll probably give it another month. Once they're, once they're out of playoff contention, they'll throw a two in there for shits and giggles and kind of see what's out there. But we'll go up north here a little bit. Or actually, let's check that. Let's stay up north. <laughs> Flip it over to the other side of the state. New York Jets is getting mollywopped by the 49ers. And the 49ers are getting mollywopped by injuries here against the New York Jets. I mean, Jimmy G got hurt, still 14 of 16 with a buck 31 and two touchdowns. And Raheem Mostert, he also got hurt. First play of the game, 80-yard touchdown to him. He finished with 92 with eight touches. And then, of course, the plethora of injuries that came in after that. Kittle wasn't playing. They're talking about not letting him play this week since they're on the same field playing against the Giants. But you had, the, you had Bosa, you had Solomon Thomas. And it just does not seem to get better. They already have Richard Sherman out. They already have Debo Samuel out. I don't really know what to think of this 49ers team. Do you think that they will be able to dig themselves out of this injury hole and become a complete contender? I know we were kind of just bashing them a little bit. But it's a two-part question as well. How bad are the Jets? To start, the Jets are very bad. <laughs> I, know, I know that's not exactly as colorful as we can go, but they're very bad. They, it's... We had the Jaguars pinpointed before the year as the team that could potentially go 0-16. Where are the wins going to come from, Steven? Because right now, I mean, they're not in division. They're in a bad AFC East. They're in a bad AFC East. I know that the, the Bills and the Patriots are finally 
well, not the Patriots, but the Bills are finally looking like a team that can win 10 games a year. But it's still not that impressive of a division. The Bills are beatable. The Patriots, even with Cam Newton, they are beatable. The Dolphins are very beatable. But beyond that, I mean, gosh, man, this is a brutal team. I I was a guy that tried to defend Sam Darnold as long as I could. He has no offensive line. He has no wide receivers. He has no backfield. That said, your quarterback needs to at least show some kind of signs of life. Joe Burrow right now has no offensive line. Yeah, he has Joe Mixon. Yeah, the receiving course, it, it, it's solid. But what's Joe Burrow doing? He's still going out there. He's taking his lumps, and the team is competitive for it. This, this, That's the thing with the Jets right now. They're not competitive in these games. The way the Dolphins started last year was the same thing, where it was, hey, they're losing by three scores every week. Time to start betting against them. Difference was is you could find pieces now, especially it's easy to say hindsight. Dolphins have pieces on the team. Who's going to be the guy to step up for the Jets? That actually gives them a chance to win games. No one, because I think that once Adam Gates is gone, which I, if I remember correctly, I think I was going around week six. Mm-hmm. I don't even think he's going to sniff week six. I think after this week he's gone when they wow. lose. It's not even like if they lose, then he's gone. It's like when they lose, he's officially gone. He has clearly lost the locker room, has never really had it. Le'Veon Bell's been hurt most of his tenure in New York. Like you said, Sam Darnold has an, no offensive line when they've been supposedly been pumping in very high draft picks to bring in this <laughs> offensive line, and they are god-awful. The only person I can possibly think of is C.J. Mosley. And my goodness, he's hurt most of the time, too. So, trade away Jamal Adams. They're going to trade away L. Bell. They're going to trade away Sam Darnold because they're obviously – they're not even playing for Trevor Lawrence. It's, Trevor Lawrence is just falling <laughs> to him at this point. I don't even think they're trying to be this bad. They are just that bad. So, whatever. Fuck the Jets. Shout out to shout out to my boy uh, shout out to my boy Frankie. Sorry you have to deal with them, but I'll still put them on uh, at my house Sunday when you're over just to just to watch you cry because it's funny. Poor fireman Ed. Imagine if there was fans in the stadium right now. How sad that J E T S Jets 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 call would be right now. The sadness in New York, dude. Yeah, I mean between both those teams, there's just so much depression. Like my goodness, I can't I can't imagine purposely rooting for those teams. So kudos to you guys. Your time is gonna come probably closer to the year, uh, you know, three thousand, or I guess that's that millennium. So we'll see you guys. We'll see you guys later. But the most surprising, one of the most surprising starts, the Cardinals two and zero. But DeAndre Hopkins, 22 receptions with 219 and a touchdown in his first two games. 22 receptions in his first two games. And Kyler Murray, fun fact, most rushing yards in the first two games for a quarterback since Mike Vick did it. Better than Lamar did it last year. Trust me, I double-checked. Lamar had six rushing yards his first game, 120 the second game. Lamar or uh, Kyler Murray has 157, sorry, 158 through the first two. So Kyle Murray's looking good, and your boy Dwayne Haskins, all your boys out there for the most part, all my uh, Buckeyes listening, 19 of 33, 233 with a touchdown. I mean, Arizona had this game won from the get-go. But how surprising are the Cardinals, and especially with acquiring DeAndre Hopkins, as a lot as a person who watches a lot of the Browns and Baker and OBJ just can't seem to get it together, talk about a perfect fit. I mean, how do you think the Cardinals are looking? Can they continue this? And... Is your boy Haskins ever going to get it together? I See, I'm coming right to bat for Dwayne. 
you want to talk about a team, and I, I know it's, this is how the NFL is right now. It feels so top-heavy. But the Washington football team, I mean, they have no running backs. They have Terry McLaurin, but who else is there? I couldn't name you their tight end right now. They're just a joke of an offense. And what is going to happen? It's going to be the same thing, just a little bit uh, better for Dwayne. But it's the Josh Rosen situation all over again where – the guy's just never going to get a genuine shot in the NFL, and I feel bad for him because I am a huge Dwayne Haskins fan. But that said, uh, this game was never close. The Cardinals have been super surprising. I I have eaten so much crow already. You guys must think I'm a total joke every time I talk about this Cardinals team. I know I had them covering this week. Not a big deal. But uh, the Cardinals are a lot better than I expected. Like, a lot better. DeAndre Hopkins, over 20 catches through two weeks. It, 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 he's finally getting that number one receiver treatment. Kyler Murray is the real deal. And it's kind of ushering in a new quarterback that we haven't seen, him and Lamar Jackson. These are these super athletic, fast quarterbacks that still are able to throw the ball. And I was critical of both of them. It's like this stigma if you're super uh, athletic, as a quarterback, you just assume that they have struggles throwing the ball, which is stupid, but that's what we do. That's like what us fans do. It's in our head. It's been told to us forever, mobile quarterback don't work in NFL. The caveman brain. And I'm okay with that. With that said, I have to ask you real quick, Steven. If right now, right now, you have to decide one of these four teams in the NFC West that is out of the playoffs, which in theory, they all could make it this year because of the seven the way they adjusted the playoffs, going to seven teams. But if you had to say one of these four are out of the playoffs, I don't know which one I would choose. Do you know who you'd pick? I'm going to have to go with the Cardinals. They haven't – same thing. Who have they beaten? Mm-hmm. They beat a Washington team that we didn't really have too many high expectations on really going into this. And they they played way above the level that we thought in week one. Beat the 49ers off. They did beat the 49ers, though. I will I will give you that. And that's going to be a big, big push for the division because it's already first game, first win, 1-0 in the division. So I'm, I'm going to have to stick with the Cardinals, though. Uh, defensively, I don't think that they're all there yet. And, one, and they still have to play Russ twice. They still got to play the L.A. Rams twice. And they still have to play the Niners to, or for another time. I'd have to check to see what week that is to see if they're going to have most of their offensive people back. But I'm assuming that they'll be fine. So, I don't know. I'm, I like the Cardinals. I like the way they look. But defensively, I'm not too confident. And if you can get someone outside of the Niners having an off day with their pass rush, I think if you give them another pass rushing team like that, they can have problems that someone that can get – contain Kyler but it's hard to contain him right now but like you said like his pat there's nothing special about his passing he's got he's averaging an interception already per game just like one touchdown one interception but he will beat you with his legs and that's what he's most scary about but sticking in that division the Rams absolutely demolished the Eagles last week for the record told y'all to put a little bit of money on that pick but we'll get there when the when the time is right but the Rams looking great Goff, 20 of 27, 267, and three touchdowns. All to Tyler Higby. Shout out to the dude I was at the party with last weekend, and I was and I drunkenly told him to get Scotty Miller because I thought he was going to go off. Tampa Bay wide receiver. This was after Chris or Chris Goblin was ruled out. I said, yeah, go ahead and pick him up. He's a fast dude. Tom Brady loves him. So who should I drop? I said, eh, fuck it. Drop Tyler Higby. Tyler Higby goes for three <laughs> touchdowns that day. So shout out to you. I do apologize for that. Don't, don't – uh, 
try to come and find me in my sleep and murder me, but actually do that. You'd be doing me a favor. But <laughs> but but Wentz is the biggest question mark this year. 26 of 43 for 242, but two interceptions. He did have a rushing touchdown, but two interceptions. So Rams are looking good. They look like they're firing on all cylinders. They look especially dangerous on defense. Jalen Ramsey is back in his bag. Aaron Donald is Aaron Donald, and that offense is looking like it's being crafted again by Sean McVay and his mastermind. So, how are the Rams looking, Wally? And what the hell is going on in your favorite city, Philadelphia? Well, I'll start with the Rams because I want to really work my my way up into the Philadelphia Eagles here. But anyways, so we'll go with the Rams. I just told you guys I'm a joke. The NFC West is literally just making me look like an absolute moron. Every time I talk, I just click that fast-forward 15 seconds button ahead on your Spotify right now. Because the Rams are good. They are good. I was wrong. I had them, I think, I in the neighborhood of five or six wins going into the season. I just wasn't very high on Jared Goff. Shame on me for doubting the brilliance of Sean McVay, finding ways to get Jared Goff to, and listen to me, because I'm still backhand complimenting Jared Goff here, but... They fi- they're finding ways to get him the ball to look effective. Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, Tyler Higby. All of a sudden, you blink and you're like, "Wow, that's actually a pretty good passing attack." They they are still they're mo- the offense moving the ball. Yeah, they they've played two teams that I want, and we keep echoing this statement and sentiment throughout the league. But who have they beaten? Rams have beaten a Eagles team that is in utter disregard, utter disarray. Smile ear to ear. It's awesome. And then who did they beat in week one? The Rams beat Dallas. Yeah, they came back and won today, or on Sunday against Atlanta. But we really don't know what to think of Dallas right now. They kind of feel that defense is sketchy to say the absolute least. So I am, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to completely go on the, the side of the Rams are going to be this world beater that they were a couple years ago. I'm going to say let's just pump the brakes and – chill out, and we're going to see, once they play a decent defense, if Jared Goff looks like Jared Goff, how the defense holds up when they fall behind in a couple games, stuff like that. Take a deep breath. Rams are good. I look like an idiot, but let's not go crown them NFC West champs. With that said, Philadelphia, you scumbags, you piece of shit, city, trash rolling through the streets, awesome. You guys suck. Carson Wentz sucks. The offensive line sucks. You have nothing. The NFC East is going to be won by eight games. And guess what? You won't have them. And that is sweet. That feels really good. Uh, I mean, what do you have right now? To, to get it. What on this team? It's like, you know what? They'll step up. They'll turn it around. Guess what? It ain't Carson Wentz. It ain't Carson Wentz. Where are they going to run the ball? Can't run behind that line. Can't protect behind that line. Can't do it. Can't win with them. Can't win with them. Can't do it. Can't do it. <laughs> I mean, I've, I've backed up Carson Wentz, you know, for his first couple years, injury injury plagued, and just not able to have anyone around him to get it done. But if you want to be that great quarterback, you need to make your receivers great. You don't have to have great receivers. You have to make them great during that game or whenever you need them to be in the Super Bowl, whatever. Because these were the same players that Carson – and Nick Foles were playing with on that Super Bowl run, yet Carson can't do it. And now, obviously, you have some people that are dispersed. 
But still, and now you still can't get it done. This is where everyone is praising Carson Wentz. Oh, he puts the eagle Eagles on his back, and he goes there, and he goes in the playoffs. And no, he doesn't. He man, the man goes in the playoffs and gets hurt. He is just not trustworthy. And you give him all this money, based off nothing, based off what you think it, you know, he is going to produce, which is an NFL and any professional sports league in a nutshell. But Carson Wentz is just not it. He's gonna have this year. He's gonna be another lackluster. Then they're gonna, then they're just gonna, you know, yeah, pump his tires up a little bit more going into next year. It's like he's like he literally is like if Dallas Cowboys were a person, they forget they forget that they that he sucks, and then the following offseason just start pumping him up like they're Super Bowl favorites, and then eventually Carson Wentz is gonna be gone. And he's gonna be someone's backup here the next three to four years. I think that he's a great quarterback, but what is he? But what have you done for me lately? You've done nothing for me but get injured, can't stay in playoff games, and cannot stay consistent for your team because the best ability is availability, Wally, and this man cannot stay available. But we're going to go on now to your boys. Now to your boys. I promise you no curveballs coming here. I'm not even going to say anything. I'll let you get into it. Just take the mic. I will take the mic, and I will take the mic. And let me say that, first of all, I feel like Scott Van Pelt – song at the start of his midnight show that I'm not tired yet. Oh, Every time we start shit talking on Philly, it feels great. I get a, a rush of adrenaline. I feel awesome. It's the perfect segue into the Raiders. And speaking of Raiders, guess who looks pretty good through two weeks with them? Nelson Aguilar. Way to go, Philly. You're a joke. It's awesome. Anyways, guess what? The Las Vegas Raiders, Viva Las Vegas. I don't, Steven, I'm just going to come out and say it. The Raiders are never going to lose a game in Las Vegas. It's impossible. They cannot lose at the Death Star. It looks, it's so cool. Al Davis' torch out there in uh, above the south end zone looks awesome. The, Las, or the Al Davis' torch looks outstanding on its own. I had to repeat it because I don't know if it was the south end zone as soon as I said it. Anyways, we'll cut that out. Screw it. No, I'm an idiot. I'll leave that in for you guys as a treat. <laughs> the Raiders, though. Guys, I picked us to lose. I picked the Raiders to lose. I picked the Saints to cover. Yeah, Drew Brees looks a little over the hill. Drew Brees is not what we expected him to be. The Saints dominated the first quarter, and then literally just didn't show up the rest of the game. But I'm going to spin zone this because the Raiders deserve a ton of the credit in this game. That same Saints team, I know Michael Thomas wasn't there. That same Saints team dominated Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in week one in New Orleans. This Raiders team falls behind early 10-0 after one. What do the Raiders do? Instead, they score 34 of the next, gosh, 48 points in the game. The offense, literally their last punt in that game was at the end of the first quarter. Everybody who doubted Derek Carr, I'm looking directly in your eyes right now. I hate you, and you deserve this. He's been good. You guys are sheep that follow everything that you're told, that he's not a good quarterback. Yeah, guess what? He does dump it down sometimes. It's called a West Coast offense. It's called a power rush offense. Three more touchdowns this week. Still without a turnover. Josh Jacobs, guess what, Steven? He's pretty good. Josh Jacobs, pretty good. I'll put that on tape. I'm willing to say that. Josh <laughs> Jacobs, good running back. 
Henry Ruggs had one catch for like four yards. Does You just look at the stat sheet, you're like, oh, man, I don't know. Henry Ruggs didn't look that good. He is a magnet to the defensive backfield. This guy, you want to go back to the Randy Moss, take the top off of defense? That's what they're worried about. There's three or four instances from this last week where he was doubled or triple coverage or covered, and guess who caught the ball? Darren Waller. Darren Waller is the best receiving tight end in the NFL. He's nowhere near the blocker Kittle is. He's nowhere near the blocker Kelsey is. Even Gronk, I know Gronk's not in that elite conversation anymore. But this Raiders offense is outstanding. The defense is showing signs. Arnett, yeah, he, he's had a couple plays where he hasn't looked ideal so far. But for the whole, we haven't been talking about him. And cornerbacks, if we're not talking about him, oh, they're pretty good. Jonathan Abram, thank goodness he's he's okay. He hit that weird booger-mobile-looking thing on the sideline, and I thought he was dead. Like, he didn't move. You come back from commercial break. He sprinted off the field. He's, like, playing two minutes later. We're just going to pretend none of that happened. They played the Patriots this week. I will talk a little bit about it later. But this Raiders team is for real. They're better than I thought they'd be. They will be playing football in January. Steven, how excited you are about this Raiders team. They're the best team in the league, right? Of course. God, shut up. <laughs> the, Ra- the Raiders look good. I will give you that. It was against a, it was against a depleted Saints offense, but nonetheless, it was against Drew Brees because I don't care because if, if this was a Tom Brady-led team, if this was an Aaron Rodgers-led team, if this was a Patrick Mahomes-led team without their star receiver, then they wouldn't bat an eye about dogging him. So I think they did great. That's a big win against Drew Brees. Still had Alvin Kamara on the on the on the team, as well as Emmanuel Sanders. Who didn't catch a ball until the fourth quarter. They shut that man down, and Darren Waller, well, he ended up with 12 receptions? Yeah, it was something stupid. It was either 12 or 13. 12 with, like, 14 targets. Mm-hmm. So the man, the man's on fire. Derek Carr's obviously found his number one target. The only thing I have to say about people who hate on Derek Carr is just look at the stats. Number twenty or number two in completion percentage since twenty eighteen. Top ten in QBR since twenty eighteen. He's towards the bottom of touchdowns around twenty first with about twenty two average. But I mean, you can't knock really anyone with that. If you're going to tell me Jimmy G's a good quarterback, then you can't tell me Derek Carr's not a good quarterback. Derek Carr is just Alex Smith with an arm, and he can launch it downfield. People praised Alex Smith for. Years, almost a decade. I'm talking to you, Seamus Gallagher. That's fucking right, kid. And people were just praising Alex Smith, but yet they won't praise someone like Derek Carr who can actually fling it downfield and open up the field. He just doesn't, A, have really have the opportunity. Like, who's he throwing it to down there? Like, Ty- Tyrell Williams, maybe, who's even hurt for the whole year. Yep. Now, now you have what, Hunter Renfro, Henry Ruggs, what? Brian Edwards. Brian Edwards, who's also a rookie right next to Rugg. So there's no one that can extend it except for Mr. Darren, Darren Waller. So team's looking good, but always I'll stick with it. 2-0 start. Let's talk about this in week 8 or 9, and then we'll really get down to it. But let's get down to what we're really here for, Wally. <laughs> we're, we're, here, we're here about my Green Bay Packers, who are just putting up stats right now. 85 points through the first two games. Is that good? If you're into that. The next, the next closest team has 57 in second place. Last two, last two teams to start off with uh, two 40-point games in their first two games of the season went on to win this, went to the Super Bowl. And Aaron Rodgers, 
Aaron Rodgers is playing out of his mind. Thank you so much, Green Bay, for drafting Jordan Love because this man is playing out of his skull right now. You cannot fuck with Aaron Rodgers. You give him a run game, and now he has arguably a top three to top five offensive line. Everyone's fucked. Everyone is fucked. But let me digress. Aaron Jones is also filthy, but I'm still not that high on the Packers myself. Wow. I will give him that. 2-0 against... Minnesota, who has an extremely depleted secondary, and Detroit, who arguably has a worse depleted secondary than Minnesota. Those two can go hand-in-hand about how bad their defense is. So, yeah, 85 points are the first two games. Number one offense in the league with over 1,000 yards as an offense already. But who have we played? There's nothing that's going to give me confidence. The defense let up about 34 points against Minnesota. Outside of the first 14 points they gave up in the first quarter, they only gave up another touchdown and a field goal maybe after that. But still, there's not enough confidence for me to still back the Packers up. Obviously, I'm super pumped at the way they're playing. It has gives me the opportunity to not negatively be yelling at the TV any chance that I get. But I'm still going to be pumped. Packers are 2-0. They're 1-0 in the division. Sorry, they're 2-0 in the division, which I absolutely love. And they're still going to be the NFC North champs. But outside of that, I'm not too confident. So, Wally, I'll pass it to you here. How are my Packers looking? Please tell me I'm an idiot, and I should think more highly of them going into this offseason, especially since San Francisco is having problems, who gave us the biggest problems last year. Would this open up the NFC if San Francisco's out? Okay, so you guys even got to hear a few weeks ago when we were picking that first game, the Packers or the Vikings, I flip-flopped back and forth really hard. Didn't know what to do. The moment the Packers won that first game in the way they did, I know the Vikings aren't what we expected them to be. But holy shit, this Packers team, I mean, this is an angry Aaron Rodgers, and I don't think the entire world needs to see that right now. I'm I'm nervous, and I'm on the AFC. I don't have to deal with the Packers this year. I This is how delusional I am as a Raiders fan even, where I'm like, oh man, don't want to see uh, the Packers in Tampa. Don't want to have to worry about that. So yeah, Steven... I, I am high on the Packers because I think you legitimately, the way the NFC is right now, I mean, you have six division games that I think that you guys can win. You go 6-0 in that division, it turns into a 10-game slate. You probably have a game or two in hand on a couple of the teams that you'd be worried about winning the NFC outright. Why not give Aaron Rodgers the benefit of the doubt to potentially get a bye right now? And if they get a bye, look out. That Packers team only having to play two games, both at home, snowy, cold Lambeau Field, the frozen tundra. I would be very pressed to pick against them. We will get to that eventually here in about four months. Doesn't mean, hey, what, what, last year we're coming off of your guys' win against Seattle. And that Seattle team I thought was going to win, but it's something about Lambeau Field, something about January, something about your Packers that, yes, I'm very high on you guys. And sure, the NFC North is. It's a joke. Be on you guys. It's worse than I think either of us expected it to be. That's a good problem for you to have. Absolutely. That is the best problem I can have. But like I said, I'm I'm not going to read too, too much into this. Green Bay typically will start off super slow, and I still don't read into it. Then they usually pop off. So I'm now it's the opposite. I'm not going to try to jump on the wagon. But obviously, I'm very happy that the team that I root for, it's kicking a little ass right now. So they got the Saints this week, someone that you just gave the hands to as a Raiders fan. So I'm hoping that we'll be able to kind of duplicate what you guys were able to do. But now we have to continue on to the other 
2-0 team in the NFC North. What's up, Fonz? The Bears, 2-0. Just coming off a win against the Giants. Goal line stand, basically. Well, not a goal line stand, but last play of the game, they were able to hold them. Trubisky, 18 of 28. Buck 90 with 2-2. Two two. Sacked four times. On the year, Trubisky's 432 yards, five touchdowns, and two interceptions with slightly less than 60% completion percentage. The Giants are a complete dumpster fire, so don't even act surprised that we're not going to talk about them. Saquon's out, so what the hell else are we going to talk about? I already pumped up Darius Slayton's wheels last week, and I'm cool with Danny Dimes. So we're going to focus on the Bears here, unfortunately. But the Bears are 2-0. Nothing that they've done in the wins are impressive, except they're just classic Bears. They just gritty, and they leave their fans in cardiac arrest going into the final seconds of the game. But that, those are the types of games that you want to win. Mitchell Trubisky is looking like Mitchell Trubisky against really shitty competition. Fonts, wait until that first week they play the Packers. Then we're going to be chirping a little bit. But so far, so good. The running game's looking good. Trubisky's being Trubisky in at least winning games. He was Mr. Fourth Quarter last week, and the defense was Mr. Fourth Quarter this week. So Bears 2-0. How much are we actually looking into the Bears being 2-0, Wally? And are they a real threat for the Packers? Uh, Mitchell Fourth Quarter? Uh, that Trubisky are we talking about? Five touchdowns, two interceptions. Yeah, yeah, you know, he threw a couple picks. That's not a big deal. That's what winners do. Winner, winners stretch the field. W- winners take chances. Win- winners are two and zero. Oh. Um, no, no, the the Bears suck. They, this is such a mirage. It's a joke. No, I I think honestly, after two weeks, you could make a case. I feel less good about the Bears, even with two wins. They just were in a slugfest. With the Giants, who we will not... That's the thing. We're not talking about them. They lost Saquon. They're dead to us. They're irrelevant the rest of the year. And they beat them by four on their home field. No. I, I, I'm done talking about the Bears, too. They're irrelevant. Yeah, they're 2-0 and right now. I'm not worried in the slightest. I mean, what? A ceiling for them? They steal a couple games they shouldn't. Go, what, maybe 8-8? Eight and eight? They're done. I, I, I'm done talking about the Bears, as you'll be happy. The Packers, put those hats in styrofoam. Put those hats in plastic. 2020-2021 North champs. It's already happened. It's September. Crown them. Crown them. And Fonz, once you're listening to this podcast, but if you want to go ahead and shoot me a text about a side bet, because for some reason I know you're, you're going to be feeling cocky about this, go ahead and text me. Type in the code WEED2020, then it'll give, you, it'll give you a free discount to go ahead and just shoot me the Venmo for any money that you're going to bet and lose against the Packers. So you just let me know. But the Ravens, Continue to keep rolling. This is their 14th consecutive regular season win. Longest active streak in the NFL. And the Ravens are... Lamar, it's not like he did anything special through the air, but, I mean, on the ground, between Lamar, Mark Ingram, J.K. Dobbins, each of them had 50 rushing yards. And they even they even had, what, Gus Edwards going for another, like, 48. So they almost had 200 rushing yards on the ground. The Ravens are looking dangerous, of course, on the ground. Lamar's getting his passing game going a little bit. Then you have the Texans who just going 0-2. Like we said earlier, they have the extremely rough schedule to start. They have the Chiefs and the Ravens. Hey, how are the Ravens looking? Are they no hangover, it seems to be, off the MVP year for Lamar? Thoughts about Deshaun Jackson and the Texans? Man, I tell you what, this rushing three-headed monster for the Ravens is scary, man. Yeah, Gus Edwards is the three, but even he, he has some much-needed spark, and God, he looks good. That rushing attack looks good. Several months ago, while Steve and I are still in that Ohio Media School score on their program, we were pondering the question, could 
the Ravens potentially break their own rushing record this year from last year. It, I mean, it can happen. It can definitely happen. You have four guys right now that can run the ball and be home run threats. The Ravens are very, 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 very good. I, I think we're all excited for this game. This upcoming Monday night is the game of the year we circled before the season. Chiefs, Ravens, we'll get to it here when we're doing our picks. But, man, the Ravens look really good, dude. I, I don't know what else to say. Offense is outstanding. Even rookies like Patrick Queen on defense have looked outstanding early in the year. It, it just It's a spoilment of riches. It's very frustrating to see two teams like the Ravens and the Chiefs in the Raiders' conference right now just because even if you get by one, you feel, it seems like you're going to likely have to get by another one. That's why it's so hard in this conference to pick anybody but the Ravens and Chiefs to come out of the AFC. I, I mean, at this point, is there... I mean, what's the flaw? What's the Achilles heel for this Ravens team? It doesn't really seem like there is too much, but until someone shows us that mold, then we're not really going to know. So I'm very interested to see how this year is going to go, if they're going to continue that streak of consecutive regular season wins. So I'm interested. I've said it once, I've said it again. All we have to do is wait. Talk to me in week seven, eight, or nine, and we'll get something figured out here. But the Vikings, we talked, we've talked, we kind of harped on them a little bit, and they are looking absolutely horrible. They cannot get anything going offensively. That defense is a joke. The Colts just absolutely demolished them the other day. So are the Vikings going to continually be this bad, Wally? And are the Colts, are they kind of on the up and up after this win? This is one of those games, one of those matchups, where I think that in about three months we're going to completely forget this game existed, along with the teams. The Vikings... I think are irrelevant already. The Colts, Phillip Rivers is washed. Good job. You beat a bad team. If anything, if I'm a Colts fan, be excited about that rush attack. Jonathan Taylor, good for you. You find you found basically your Wisconsin offensive line at the pro level. Quentin Nelson, my guy. He's going to lead the way for a long time there. I, until they get a quarterback, though, to me, there's neither one of these teams are that much of a, of a threat. The Vikings that, what, 84 million, or whatever it was, that guaranteed contract for Kirk Cousins. They gave gave him an extension. I was going to say, bet you guys feel great about that right about now. You were stuck. You got rid of Stephon Diggs, and your offense is not only bad, the surprise is your defense looks as bad, if not worse. I didn't see that coming. Uh, Steven, maybe you did, because you do have your eye a little bit more on the NFC North, but I was the kind of guy, when you bring in Yannick Ngakwe at the start of the year... I was starting to be like, wow, you know what? I picked them to win my I picked them to win the division. I picked them to win the NFC North. I am a clown. I get it. I don't care, but I am a smart man. I know when to get out. And I'm out. I'm off the bandwagon. I sold all my Viking stock. Yeah, it was at like five cents a share at this point. But I sold it. I am going to maximize that deficit. They blow. They blow, Steven. Yeah, they're horrible. And I and I kind of saw the writings on the wall going into the year. But at the same time, having Mike Zimmer as your coach, that's the last thing I thought that they were going to do. That defensive mind, he's been terrorizing the NFC North here for the closer part of the decade. So I thought that if anyone was going to get it together, it would have been Mike Zimmer and that defense. But they have not been able to get it going. But Ryan Tannehill has been able to get it going. 488 yards. Six touchdowns and zero interceptions through the first two games. 120.7 QBR rating. Derrick Henry's been somewhat quiet this year so far. Considering Derrick Henry got this man paid, the contract's not looking that bad. They go 2-0. 
They're looking dangerous between the air and the ground. And, of course, they have their defense. Are you buying the stock that you're selling for Minnesota? Are you putting back into Tennessee? What are your thoughts of their 2-0 start, especially in that weak division? Okay, so buddies of mine that know me, I mentioned it here on the podcast a little briefly, but I'm a big Big Ten guy. I'm boring football guy. I love running attacks. I love responsible quarterback play, and I love overpowering defenses. Mike Vrabel, Derrick Henry, Ryan Tannehill, the three-headed monster of my boring 2020 NFL football team, I love it. Tennessee, yeah, I'm buying a ton of stock. If I could buy any more, I would. I mean, I know Houston has started a little rough because of their unbearable schedule to start, but, I mean, that's a two-game lead. That's a two-game lead early. I think the Titans are going to win the division. I'm not going to say easily because the Texans do have Deshaun Watson, who is arguably a top-five quarterback in the NFL, if not solidified in there. But this Titans team, it has it all. There's not a weakness on this team. They're one of those teams. They don't have any like blow-away talent at a position. They're just solid across the board. They're responsible across the board. And that's what you would expect from a Mike Vrabel coach team. So, yeah, if you ask me if I'm going to buy stock in the Titans, absolutely am I buying stock. Now, that said, they beat the Jaguars team, a scrappy Jaguars team, but not a good one. They beat the Broncos. I know it was before uh, Drew Luck, or Drew, wow, Drew Luck, Drew Luck, who am I? And Drew Luck. (laughs) <laughs> but before Drew Locke got hurt, but it, it, I I know that they haven't done anything crazy yet, but they're just responsible. They're responsible Ws. They're going to keep coming. I mean, they're, they're the team, yeah, they're going to lose to all the flashy teams. They're going to lose to all the really, really good teams. They're not a team like Pittsburgh that's going to play down to their opponent. They're going to beat who they're supposed to beat. Do you think, I guess, by the way, Jaguars now 1-2, and two, they're done. They might have already reached their win total of the year. I guess I want your opinion on both of these teams. You asked me, am I high on the Titans? I guess I want to ask you, are you high on the Titans? And what do you think about the Jaguars? Is Are they still in the Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes? Or do you think that, yeah, they got their ass kicked tonight, but they are still going to be a 4-5 win team, potentially screw themselves out of a top couple, 1-2-3 pick? So Jacksonville is basically done out of the Trevor Lawrence. I think the Jets have wrapped that up. I per- <laughs> I personally think that Gardner Minshew can be that franchise guy. You just have to you have to put pieces around him. He won all six games that the Jaguars won as a team last year. All Gardner Minshew under your center. So I think that he is the guy there. Now for Tennessee, Tennessee's still interesting to me. Tannehill is balling. He's doing great. I mean. Look what a player does when you get away from Adam Gase. And he put up decent numbers when he was with Adam Gase. And now he's putting up better numbers. So they're going to be the most interesting team. They they can be that dangerous team because people, are I feel like, are going to forget that Ryan Tannehill can do this once it hits late November and December and they give it to Derrick Henry all the time. It's not going to be last year where he only had 15 pass attempts to fir- through the first two playoff games because they were giving it to Derrick Henry. They know that they can rely on him. So that's going to be interesting. I still have Tennessee being second to Houston in the, in the division, but that's going to that's going to come very close. That'll, that'll be a half-game decision once that comes. But finally, now, we're going to talk about what everyone wants to listen to. What the hell's going on out here? 
not not just two fat guys rambling on about football while we're drinking, but about gambling. How we help you make your rent payment. Get rid of that pesky cell phone payment. Maybe pay the electricity for the next two months just so it can be paid off. A little bit of overview last week. I had eight bets. I went six and two on those bets. Only losing the, I believe, the over-under for the Minnesota-Indianapolis game, which, my goodness. And Kansas City minus nine against the Chargers, which, for the record, we both put his locks, Wally. Oh, I, I was coughing. So we both look like idiots on that. Not really, though. Any other week, if that was Tyrod Taylor starting, I feel like it would have been no problem. Yeah, my bad. I didn't expect the team doctor to puncture a guy's lung before the game. My bad. I had that feeling going into it, but I didn't really think it was going to happen. That's what that was throwing me off. I went six and two last week. Wally went thirteen and three money line and ten and six against the spread. I guess that's kind of good if you're into that. Uh, but that would put my total for me this year. I'm twenty four and nine money line, twenty one ten and one against the spread. I'm going to keep doing this full slate. I'm going to do like last week too. Uh, when it gets to me, I'm going to speed rush through them real quick. You're going to have 10 minutes of Wally's speed round of 16 games. I give you winners. And guess what? I'm making you money right now. You're 11 games over the spread if you've gone with me so far. You're 15 games over 500 through two weeks if you just go money line. I'm do- We're offering locks here, Steven. You went 6-2 and two last week. I don't know what we got to do. And by the way, we asked for those Venmo requests. Can't help but tell nobody's sending us money for these picks right now. Yeah, I got. I personally have rent to pay. Yeah, I know the, the money's gonna help me that I won last week to hit the rent. But my goodness, I mean, people, you're being, you're being selfish. Unless, no, you don't think they're taking our picks, do you, Wally? I, I don't know, man. They better start taking them. Well, if you don't, if you don't after last week, then that's uh that's your loss. So before we go into the Walter Lukashinsky locomotive of the quick bets here, we're gonna go through mine. I got us. I have us eight picks again this week, starting off with one that's already hit. Just, you know, it's written down, so just kind of trust me. I took Miami plus three tonight. That was that was an absolute lock. My, I think this is such a lock. We've been, we've been talking very high about Tennessee. Tennessee minus two and a half at Minnesota. Ride that all day. Minnesota's defense has not proven anything that they can stop either Ryan Tannehill or Derrick Henry at any point. And that offense doesn't prove to me that they can score points. So Tennessee minus two and a half all day. I think it's a lock. Chicago at Atlanta. I'm going to take Atlanta minus three here. I do not want to be the team that has to play Atlanta after that horrible collapse, especially a traveling Chicago team who hasn't really played anyone. And the offensive prowess that Atlanta has, that's a top four offense. They finished top two or three last year. Regardless of what the record looks like, Matt Ryan's going to average four to 450 passing yards, and he's and he's going to put up numbers. I think it's minus three. Also, as well, hammer the over of 47 in this. I think that's way too low. I think Atlanta's – I think it's going to be like a 35-20-21 type game. So I think it's – I think that over is easy money. Next one, Tampa Bay minus six at Denver. Denver will keep them close, not against a team like Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay is looking to take advantage and keep the ball rolling after the week one loss and after a nice win against Carolina last week. They covered that spread by 14 last week. I know they're going to Denver. Oh, well, they're up in mile high and the altitude's really high. So, you know, if you're not if you're not the Denver Broncos, you're not going to be able to play well. False. It doesn't matter. Tampa Bay minus six. I feel like that is extremely easy. Next one, Dallas at Seattle. 
Staying away from the spread here. That's that's your choice if you want to hit on that spread. It's at five. I don't know if it's changed at all since then or before this podcast. But I'm going the over 56. That 30 to 35 win that Seattle just had barely missed it. But Dallas has a little bit more of a air threat, which is where Seattle's weakness is a little bit. I like that pick a lot. A lot of points. Their front, their front seven led by Bobby Wagner is going to cause some problem in the running game. There's still going to be a running game, but you're most effective in the passing game, which Dallas is more than okay doing. Seattle's obviously more than okay doing because Russell Wilson is masking a lot of the deficiencies that Seattle has. Side note, everyone's praising what Russell's doing now. That's what he's been doing the past five years with no defense. He's just been putting up these points and no one's saying anything. They just go, well, Seattle's really not that good. They just have Russell Wilson. No shit. You can say the same thing about Green Bay. Trust me. I have been living it. Seattle's living that right now because they don't want to put anyone around him except they have Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf. That offense is going to be a problem. As well as Dallas's offense. Over 56, that's a lock. I'm getting ignorant here. Green Bay, plus three against the New Orleans Saints, as well as the over 52.5. I have this game being somewhat of a shootout early on when Green Bay is going to have the the differences in turnovers. I think Green Bay is going to cause about one to two turnovers in this game. No turnovers on their end, and I think that's going to be the difference maker, and I think think this over is going to hit before the fourth quarter. This over is going to be – this is going to be like a – like a 38-34 type deal where they cover everything. Well, Green Bay is going to cover because they got the, the points. Hell, even sprinkle a little bit on the money line just for shits and giggles. And the last one, Kansas City at Baltimore. Kansas City, three-and-a-half point underdog. You know I'm going to take Kansas City plus three-and-a-half because at the end of the day, that game I feel is going to be decided by a field goal or less. So you have to take it and ride with the half point to save your ass. Those are my, what, eight to nine picks there. Obviously, we're going to let you know how those go. My friends who are going to be watching the games with me on Sunday are definitely going to know how those are going. So, Wally, the locomotive train for bets is coming your way to end the show, so take it away. So here we go. It's the speed round with Wally right here. We're going to pick all 15 games plus the additional Thursday night game for next week. I'm going to say very little. I'm going to give you one reason tops, and then we're going to fly through this. For the record, I am going to I'm using VegasInsider.com and I'm going to use the Westgate Superbook line, the current line as it sits. So let's get going, fellas. The Raiders are going to visit the New England Patriots this week in Foxborough. Feels like Vegas can never get a win against these pesky Patriots ever since that damn talk rule. But I digress. Anyways, Patriots are favored five and a half. I don't like the matchup for the Raiders. Yeah, I picked against them last week. You're gonna notice a trend. I'm a very nervous, pessimistic fan, so I'm going with New England minus 5.5. I just don't think the Raiders' defense is going to have much to answer for the rush attack of Cam Newton. I think the Raiders are able to score a decent amount of points, but not only do the Patriots win, they're going to cover the 5.5. The Rams are visiting Buffalo. Buffalo, 2.5-point favorites right now. This is a moment where I have to draw my line to sand. I've been doubting both these teams all year. I'm going to take the Rams and I'm going to take them, sprinkle the money line, visiting Buffalo. It's minus 2.5, take Rams, plus 2.5, and, and the win. Houston, visiting Pittsburgh. It's currently sitting at Pittsburgh's a four-point favorite. It opened up at 6. I liked it a lot more at 6. Every Obviously, of course, everybody does. I really, really want to take 
Houston to cover and Pittsburgh to win outright. I would have if it was six. I'm going to take Pittsburgh minus four and like covering and with the win. I just don't trust Houston that much, and I think Pittsburgh's defense is too good. 49ers back at MetLife to face the Giants this time. They're only four-point favorites right now. You want to talk about an absolute freaking lock. The 49ers minus four. Yeah, they don't have Jimmy G, but guess what they do have? They have Kyle Shanahan, and Kyle Shanahan is an absolute gem, and he's going to be able to just plug and put anybody in there and be fine. 49ers win by points even because they're going to win by two scores comfortably. Oh, I threw – I have them. I have them at three and a half on my book. I threw forty on them as we were speaking. Yeah, it's it's a lock. This this Giants team is trash. And yeah, you lose Nick Bosa. Yeah, you lose Solomon Thomas. Yeah, you you lose Raheem Mostert. Yeah, you lose Jimmy G. I get it. That's a lot of losses. A lot of big guys to lose. And no Kittle in that game. And no Kittle in that game. A lot of big guys to lose. You have Kyle Shanahan. You have a quality football team surrounding all those guys, and the Giants suck. 49ers win and cover. Tennessee, Disney, Minnesota, I am all over Steven's pick. I love it. Not only do the Titans cover the minus two and a half in Minnesota, they're going to win outright. So there you go. I'm not going to add too much to that. Titans minus two and a half and cover. Washington, visiting Cleveland. Cleveland is a seven-point favorite. It opened up at five and a half. The fact that this has moved a point and a half has stunned me in this direction. Washington's going to cover. That defense is going to cause problems. The Browns struggled to protect Baker Mayfield last week. They're going to really struggle against Washington's front seven. I have Washington covering. I have Cleveland eking out a win. Eking out a win money line, but Washington gets that cover. Cincinnati's going to Philadelphia to play those Philadelphia scumbag Eagles. They are only four and a half point favorites against Cincinnati at home. Unfortunately, I think that the Eagles are going to win. I do think they are going to cover. I think they finally get off the snide. Win by like seven. Joey Burrow, you're still the truth. Cincinnati still has a lot to be excited for. Philadelphia, you're going nowhere. Chicago at Atlanta. It is at minus three for Atlanta. Kind of again with Steven. I'm going to take the Falcons to cover to minus three. Chicago hasn't played anybody. Atlanta's really going to be angry after that horrible blown loss. I still can't get over it. But again, Falcons minus three, cover and win. Jets visiting in Indianapolis. The Jets are a joke. Basically, just this will be easy. I'm going to fade them all year. The Colts opened at seven point favorites. It's eleven and a half or twelve points all or all over the boards now. That's a lot of points to give up to an NFL team, especially one that's been embarrassed for two straight weeks. I'm talking myself into the Jets. Psych. Colts win. Colts cover. The Jets are terrible. They're going to see a lot of spreads like this the remainder of the year. Colts pick. Carolina visiting the Chargers. Here's the thing: Is Tyrod Taylor gonna play? If Justin Herbert does, then yeah, I think the Chargers win. I think they covered a six and a half, especially without CMC. If Tyrod Taylor plays, I'm not so sure, but I'm going to operate under the assumption you can't have your doctor stab you in the chest and deflate a lung and then come back and play seven days later. So I'm operating under the assumption Herbert wins and goes. He's going to have the job this week, minus six and a half at home. Not like that matters. They never have a home field advantage. But Chargers cover six and a half. They win. Detroit. At Arizona, Arizona is now five and a half point favorites. Detroit blows. Arizona is going to work Detroit in this game. I think they covered a five and a half and win at home. And unfortunately, that would put Arizona at three and zero and making me look just like an absolute moron. But that's okay. 
That's what we do here. We're here to make money. We're here to eat crow, and I'm very good at both. Tampa at Denver. Denver. They're a home dog by five and a half against Tom Perfect. Tom Brady. Ah, it's tough. I, 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 the thing is, the the Buccaneers are going to cover. It's like Steven said. No one's ever been able to conquer Mile High before, so it'll be nice to see history finally happen this week. No, Mile High, the the allure of that, the esteem behind them playing on some immaculate Mile High in the sky where they never lose. It's a farce. They're going to lose. The team's not that good. Sorry, guys. Tampa Bay covers, I'd say easily. i say at least two scores. Tampa wins and covers. Dallas at Seattle. Seattle, minus five. Dallas seems a little lost right now. Seattle seems to be humming. Absolute buzzing right now. I'm going to go with the Hawks. I'm going to have the Seahawks cover minus five. Dallas is going to be one and two and tied for first place at the end of this week. How crazy is that? Go Cowboys. Then we have Stevens, Green Bay Packers going to New Orleans. This line opened up at minus six and a half for New Orleans. Green Bay now, they're only plus three. Steven's right. Not only do the Packers win this game, it's not as Homer Bias showing. The Packers win this game, like outright, cover, win, and dominate this game. This is the game we're going to look back on in a few years and say, that was the Drew Brees game where we started second-guessing him. It's time to move on in New Orleans. Packers big. Get in before Vegas figures out that New Orleans is washed. And then, of course, Kansas City. Baltimore. This game's impossible to pick. The the Ravens at home are minus three and a half point favorites. Yeah, the Chiefs are going to struggle to stop this team. Yeah, the Ravens are going to struggle to stop the Kansas City Chiefs. The one thing that I would say before going into this, the 54 and a half point over, I'm more comfortable saying it over than either one of these teams outright. So keep that in mind. But I said last week, and I will say it for the rest of my life, the Chiefs, I will probably not pick against them this year. I will not pick against them to not cover a spread. So, that being said, the Chiefs cover plus three and a half and win outright. Big Chiefs. And then this is what I might mean to talk about because this game's so boring. The the Broncos go to the Jets next Thursday night. Who cares? Jet or the Broncos are minus two and a half point favorites. Blah blah blah. blah. They win, they cover. <laughs> Done. I got the Broncos. Uh winning that game yeah for sure two and a half point favorite that feels like a mistake huh? yeah that is a, that is a mistake so Wally thank you for the picks of course let's go win some money yeah I agree so thank you everyone out there listening however you're listening if it's through Anchor if it's through Spotify if it's through I don't know making when I'm making you listen in my living room <laughs> either way I pre- we appreciate you guys listening shout out to you Wally Lukashensky thank you for making your trip down of course I'm Stephen Weed come back next week where we talk more about how victorious we are in our bets hopefully not as many injuries and, and come ma- back to the Raiders and Packers are both going to be 3 and all forget my picks Raiders outright come on and hopefully the Bears lose and maybe the Browns are on the up and up Good night. Check us out every Friday morning, brand new on Spotify. We'll catch you here, guys, next week. I appreciate you.